Welcome to Rocket Ship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Fernando Rojo. I would call him the Apple of uh, the, the Steve Jobs of React Native because he's basically pushing forward the boundaries of what's possible with universal apps. Um, you've released countless packages. Solito is probably the name standing out uh, that people might recognize, but For everyone who does not know you yet, Fernando, um, who are you and what are you doing? Yeah, thanks for the introduction and for having me. So my name is Fernando Rojo. I am the co-founder of BeatGig. We're a marketplace for booking live music. And our product is built with Next.js on the web and React Native on the native side. So I maintain a number of open source React Native libraries and like to give talks about React Native. So a few of them are, like you mentioned, Solito, Modi. Uh, Burnt, Dripsy, Zigo, and a few others like that. <laughs> It's so funny. When, when I went through your uh, GitHub repositories, I mean, people have like cool GitHub repositories, but basically every each of your repositories is like at least a thousand stars on GitHub, and and they are all like equally amazing and helpful. Uh, I don't know where do you find the time for all these <laughs> repositories. Well, it's it's never too disassociated from work. Uh, I think that's that's the key. You know, you mm. it's easy to find problems in the stack when you're trying to build it, especially when you're trying to do something cross-platform. That I think up until recently, like doing web and native was viewed as like not only taboo but just like an absurd concept. So I th I think anyone who was who was really trying to take on what we were would have found the same problems. Uh, it's just a matter of you know wanting to make it free and open source for everyone to to use as well. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a key point. It's so great that all of these are free and uh, free to use. I just installed Solito. Um, I spun up an application, and it's just like we're gonna get into Solito later. Um, I want to talk about a few of the other packages before uh, because I feel like Solito is going to take up <laughs> most of our time. Uh, but before we dive into the exact topics, I want to start with a, like a fresh question. So. React Native for all platforms without bigger drawbacks. And I mean without bigger drawbacks, websites looking like apps and apps looking like websites. Do you think it's possible in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I, I really think it's here. Um, this is like the big question that like always used to come up. Like using React Native on the web meant you're using this library called React Native Web. You know, like React-Native-Web. Yeah. It's this really cool yeah. package that was originally popularized, I think, because it was used on the Twitter website. And it was always like people thought it was really cool. In fact, Twitter used it only for web. So it was just kind of like a style <laughs> library for web, right? There was a style library for web that kind of solves CSS in some ways because it fixed cascading and other kinds of problems like that, similar to how Tailwind has found its way to solving these problems. So some people like viewed that as a cool styling library, but no one really viewed it as worth like zero compromise, I'll use the same code on native and web. Like that was never really considered, I would say, until like the last year or two. Um, and I think we're finally at the, like either at or very close to the point where it's like a zero compromise stack. It's not quite there uh, to be like mm -hmm. perfect without, like you can get it to be pretty perfect, but it requires a decent amount of work. Um, I think the hardest problems that's still sort of left is UI. And I think, in, in my opinion, Tamagui is doing the most to solve that right now. Tamagui, in my mind, is kind of like the successor to, to Dripsy, which was the original attempt at, at this kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I really think it's, I think it's getting close. And then I, you know, I'm still kind of working on some libraries on the way to solve the <laughs> final rough, rough edges. Yeah, yeah, let's get, get into Dripsy in a second. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to share, because everyone's still getting so excited about cross-platform and like eventually having a solution for web and 
uh, native and 100% and code reuse. Just as a question, have you heard about Capacitor and have you used yeah. it? I haven't used it. I haven't used Capacitor or Ionic. Uh, I've heard of these. It's like a web view based app yeah, generator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's basically the successor to Cordova. I mean, Cordova was interesting as well. Uh, and then the Ionic team built Capacitor, which is a wrapper around mm -hmm. native tools. And you can just like basically have 100% code reuse and just install Capacitor in your web application and then it wraps your app in this web yeah. view and puts it in a native container, which works. I mean, to some people that sounds like horrible, like we're, we're talking about HTML apps again. But mm -hmm. to be honest, the result is usually pretty good. And, and, and most people don't even recognize these days how good the web actually is and, and what you can do with the web. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I would describe what I have against that as a bias as much as like, I think where I was drawn to React Native in the first place, um, besides the fact that like, obviously there's some benefits, like it's just easier probably to learn the native development and you know, there's a JavaScript ecosystem. Like you can just kind of reuse all this web stuff for the most part, like existing JavaScript libraries. I think the bigger thing that I was really attracted to was the abstraction layer. Like whenever I start building with any kind of stack or system, the first thing I kind of want to know is like what, at what level is it wrapping something else? And what I really liked about React Native versus something like at the time Ionic when I was first looking at this stuff or something like Flutter mm -hmm. is just like where they are in the stack, right? So Ionic is just like, and like in your you mentioned Capacitor, assuming I understand these correctly, they're just web views, right? Um, with like some native wrappers probably for navigation or something like that. I didn't love that abstraction because I felt so far away from mm -hmm. the actual accessible native UI elements that even if people, you know, there's an argument to be made that maybe like users out there don't really always know the difference. And then Flutter, on the other hand, just creating its full own render and just kind of recreating what I think is like 20 years of hard work by <laughs> Apple's best engineers in the world, the greatest designers, to try to copy them in a way that's obviously going to be worse. Um, I didn't like that abstraction either. Now, React Native, for all its imperfections, at least was mapping onto true native elements. And right. I think had it... Had it iterated faster, like I think they still just, I think the biggest problem React Native has is that while it has, in my opinion, the right abstraction to get to new, uh, native elements, it is very slow to iterate on features for, for it. So things like, you know, let's say React Native has a modal component that maps onto the native one, but it's still like four iOS versions behind on modal features, mm -hmm. you know, so I have to like patch it and add them. But what's nice is I can just add a little patch to their Objective-C file, and now I have a fully native modal with the newer features, right? Because the abstraction is so tightly coupled to the right platform. So it just kind of depends on what kind of product you want to build. I've never been drawn to a web view on mobile, especially because I've never used a good mobile website. Um, I don't think there are good mobile websites, really. There are ones that are good enough in some ways, but... Um, you know, take Twitter. It's a very, very simple product. Great product, you know, in my opinion, just because it's so simple. And their iPhone app looks the exact same as the website. Yeah. Or same with like Instagram, but it's night and day how smooth one feels. Um, so anyway, that that's somewhat of my take on on the web view ex uh, examples. You know, it's I'm not saying don't do it if if you want to do it, but it's never been something I've really been interested in. Yeah, I mean, it works for a lot of small companies, especially like if you just have one developer. I mean, your case is also great because you're, I think, pretty much the only developer at BeatGig, but... For the um, front end, a lot of, yeah. Okay, yeah. 
But a lot of yeah. enterprise companies for in-house tools, it's a perfect solution if you already have mm -hmm. the web stuff and you just wrap it natively. But totally. anyway, we're not talking about <laughs> Capacitor. And by the way, the uh, the thing you mentioned about the abstraction layer of React Native was what Theo also recently brought up in one of his videos where he mm. explained what he actually really enjoyed about React Native, which is the, the ability to use code push because of the abstraction layer, because of the JavaScript being replaceable. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely points for to React Native for that. So you mentioned Dripsy. Um, let's start there. W what is Dripsy? And um, maybe a spicy question. Do you still recommend Dripsy? <laughs> <laughs> it is a spicy question. So <laughs> Dripsy is a library I made for cross-platform styling. So it was the first library that added responsive design to React Native, meaning that you can get different styles based on screen size. It was inspired by Theme UI and um, styled system from React, so from the website. I had just mm -hmm. built a Shopify headless e-commerce site back uh, when I first started building with React Native, and I wanted something similar for iOS and Android, and nothing existed. So I basically you know, ported over that API to Native. I made a, bit, a few mistakes along the way. I started by just copying and pasting their code over, and then I was just like, I had this fork of code I didn't understand, rather than just like... <laughs> You know, building it myself. Um, I think that's one of the things that, I that learned feels from so my good. To be honest, that, that, that yeah. feels so good to hear that even someone experienced as you just admits to make these mistakes. No, it was a huge mistake. I mean, better today. I actually think the the biggest learning from that is you really underestimate the fact that like you can just like when you use libraries, you assume they're just like this magical thing that does the thing you want and they just work. Yeah, but you could just open the GitHub. And edit it and see how it works or do it or just make your own without copying. You know, like it was like I feel like uh, there's this nice moment that happens when you realize like, oh, I could just go in and edit something. You know, it's not like behind this GitHub page. So anyway, I, I kind of had that discovery too late. So I started by copying their stuff over and editing it. And it was just like I just didn't, you know, I didn't write it originally. So I didn't understand how it worked totally. But anyway, long story short, Dripsy is a library for uh, adding styles, themes, and responsive design to your app. It has web compatibility as well as native compatibility. And at the, when I first started building it, I was running into this really difficult problem, which is React Native Web didn't support server-side rendering in the traditional way, which is to say when you want to do responsive design on the web, you do so with CSS, but React Native Web didn't have any CSS media queries so you would mm -hmm. have to use like JavaScript. So when the page would mount, you'd have to measure the screen and any time and set up a listener for the screen size. And any time it changes, you would re-render any components that were affected. And that means it doesn't work on the server because the server doesn't know the screen size. So I ended up just having to go all in on the JavaScript solution because that was all that was available. And I often, I mean, if you looked up like React Native Web server-side rendering media queries and like Dripsy, you'll probably find like literally pages and pages of me complaining about this or trying to figure it out. And I was just like the only one, like no one else yeah. out there in the world, maybe like a few people on these like niche React Native web issues or like commenting on Dripsy pull requests cared about this. And I was stuck. So eventually I was like, all right, we're just not going to do server-side rendering in Dripsy. And so that kind of leads me to the second question, which is like, would I recommend it? I think Dripsy is amazing because it lets you set up theming and responses design just like that in a second. But you have this issue, which is the server-side rendering and the performance side isn't as optimized as it could be. So I think if you're doing something really quick, really fast, and you're used to styled system or theme UI and you want to use Dripsy, totally go for it. Like everyone who uses it only really gives it positive reviews for that, those reasons. However, I think a library like Tamagui is just going to give you so much more. 
Um, it has a very similar original syntax, except it does inline styles instead of the SX prop, which Dripsy has. And it has like a ton of components. Um, it's way more optimized for performance and has server-side rendering support. Like it, it, there's always still rounding out some edges because there are just so many features that they're pushing. But if you're starting like a really massive app and you want much more advanced styling capabilities and you're like, you're willing to put in a little more time into the setup and having like a more advanced style uh, system, I would probably go for Tamagui. If you want something simpler and easier to set up and you're not as experienced, Stripsy might be the right move for you. All right. Uh, yeah, we had Nate on the podcast a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago and talked about Tamagui as well. Um, I'm a big fan of it as well. So does it basically mean you're not really putting any more work into Dripsy at this point? Is it like feature complete? Well, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. I've run into this with both Modi and Dripsy. When you run out of features that people ask for and everything works, you don't really get many more attractive releases. <laughs> <laughs> like it's That's been a while since I've gotten like a very serious, like every now and then I'll have some new things to put on Modi or Dripsy, but uh, no, I mean, I, I still, we still use Dripsy. Um, I've stopped using it as much for new features. I still use it on existing ones, but I have basically dropped in Tamagui in a lot of places uh, mm -hmm. for Dripsy when I'm building new things. Um, so in that regard, You know, like for every now and then when TypeScript releases a new version, like it might, Dripsy might not work with it anymore. So then I'll go in and I'll mm -hmm. update that or stuff like that. Um, so I wouldn't view it as unmaintained. You know, I'm definitely still attentive to it. It yeah. just hasn't really, besides like maybe major rewrites I could think of for performance or things like that that I'm not really interested in doing, it hasn't really faced any significant issues. Yeah, yeah fair enough. So you, you said Tamagui is like, The, the thing you would recommend for bigger projects. What's your take then on the other, let's say, two bigger or more popular uh, libraries out there being Native Wind, uh, developed, I think, by Mark Lawler, who's now also working at Expo, and the mm -hmm. thing one, which I don't know if it exactly falls into this category, but it also came out recently, was, I think, Gluestack UI, which is coming from the creators who made Native Base, I think, right? That's right, yeah, um, Geeky so Ants. Native, Native Wind, Tamagui, Gluestack UI. Do you see them on the same level, or do you, would you always recommend Tamagui? Um, do you see different strengths of these packages? Well, it's difficult to say. Tailwind is just like a kind of style that people like. So if, if you like using Tailwind and you want to keep using Tailwind, then I feel like naturally Native Wind is the way to go for you. What Tamagui has is a bit confounding to group with others because it's both the styling side. So like with Tailwind, you can set your styles and had, you know, hover and, and media queries and things like that. But it's also like separately a library of like 30 components that are very, you know, like sheets and stuff like that. So it's, it's in some ways, it's kind of hard to just compare one or the other just because they like have a bit of a different level of undertaking. Um, so I'm sure those are also... Also great. Uh, I've heard good things about Native One for sure. Um, it just, I think it just depends what you're prioritizing. Probably, like if if Tailwind is really like the, what you want to work with, then I'm sure Native Wind is you know the right move mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, I think Nate even had some problems describing what Tamagui is in the first place. So uh, <laughs> it's it's like yeah, it's, it's the compiler and then it's the components and then it's the themes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I, kind I of think like just like Radix components. <laughs> But then also you get styles in line on them, like styled system. And then it happens to have this optional compiler you can put in your config file that will traverse mm -hmm. all your files and optimize them where it can. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think he um, was working on like maintaining it and making sure that the it has a stable API so far. So yeah, definitely need to get more into that uh, very soon. So moving on from Dripsy into the net, uh, next thing, we're getting closer to Solito. <laughs> but in between, let's talk about Moti first. Um, I think I came across Moti when I was talking to Cataline Miron about um, animations and, and reanimated. And at some point, he also mentioned Moti. And I was happy that I finally understood reanimated and what's going on. And, and then he brought up Moti. And I was like, no, not another library. So uh, what is Moti and why do we need it? So... Modi is an animation library for React Native and React Native Web. It is a wrapper around Reanimated, and basically it makes Reanimated very easy to use. If you've ever used React Spring on the web or Framer Motion, mainly Framer Motion, it takes a lot of inspiration from that. The idea is that you should be able to add animations to a component without needing to import anything additional, without needing to use helper functions or anything. Just use objects and props to express what kind of animations you want to happen declaratively, and they will happen. So you get a view component, you can set the initial state with a from prop, and then you can set where it'll animate to using the animate prop. So you just pass a style object to each one. You can also do things like exit animations. So reanimated now has native mm. uh, exiting and layout animations. But when this was first released, they didn't. And also theirs don't work on, on web. So Modi was the first way to introduce exit and uh, presence animations to React Native by wrapping Framer Motion's animate presence and bringing it to native, as well as making it work on web. So long story short, Modi, in my opinion, is the easiest way to have performer animations on React Native. And they also happen to work on web. All right, yeah, I've seen a few code examples and it definitely looks easy with the From2 stuff. Um, I, I think, isn't Reanimated also pushing into the web now? Do you have like uh, something to use Moti with Reanimated even on the web? Yeah, so Reanimated does have web support actually, and that is why Modi works on the web. There are a few things that Modi does just to make it easier to use the website. So for example, just to get in the weeds for a second, Reanimated has a plugin, a Babel plugin, um, without explaining too deeply what it does, you mark each uh, function with the word worklet at the top of it. And then reanimated will essentially like extract that uh, function and all of its um, closure into another string and run that on the native thread, like on a separate thread. But on a web, we have a single thread. So there's no real reason to have a plugin on web because it's not actually technically going to add any performance under the hood because you're just going to be running it using like request animation frame. So I added this pull request to React Native Reanimated that basically lets it work on the web without a Babel plugin or without an SWC plugin or anything like that. All you need to do is pass dependency arrays to your hooks. So Modi does that for you. It'll you know handle the dependency arrays, which is a pretty minor thing, but it just ensures that it works on web. So long story short, if you want to use Reanimated on the web, you can, you just need to pass dependency arrays to any of the hooks. Mm. Yeah, or, or you should just use Moti because it's it's a lot easier. <laughs> it'll be, I mean, it'll be a, a bit easier. In a, in it depends what you want though. for. Just use a, use a CSS yeah. animation probably. Um, mm -hmm. It'll be even cooler, but it's not going to work everywhere, right? Uh, I think you brought this up in your, your problems for React Native or, or the vision for 2030 talk you gave at AppJS. Um, I, th I will definitely put this in the show notes. I just uh, found this like a few minutes before the talk. Uh, you brought up some, some really cool stuff in there. 
uh, I don't know if it's going to take us seven more years, uh, <laughs> but especially yeah, like directly importing Swift files or stuff like that would be that would be really amazing at some point. Yeah. So Solito, um, I think the the word Solito and Fernando Rojo dropped about like ten times before in the in the previous sixteen episodes on the podcast. <laughs> Um, and I always tried for, from other guests already to understand what Solito is and what it does. Uh, TLDR, for everyone interested, just run uh, NPX, what is it? Uh, NPX create Solito app and give it a try and, and see it for yourself. I think that's probably the best way. But um, for everyone listening, what is Solito and, and, and how does it actually work? Like, like, can you describe it somehow easily? Yeah. Solito is the missing piece between using Next.js and the web, React Native for iOS and Android, and shared code between the two of them. That's the key thing. You want to use Next.js because it's this great framework for the web, and you want to use React Native for iOS and Android, and you want to be able to share UI code and, above all, navigation code between the two of them. So it's not just about code. It's also very much about philosophy, as in like what, how do you organize your code and like how do you think about navigation. So the big breakthrough of Solito is that it forces you to only use URLs for navigating from one page to another, whether you're on iOS, Android, or web. That was like the big realization. So I went through many iterations of this before landing on Solito, where I used React Navigation and Next.js on web, or just React Navigation on web, or just like a mix of all kinds of things. And what I realized was I was trying to share too much, right? I was trying to share all my code across platforms. Mm. When what I realized is what I could do instead is use the opinionated navigation UIs that iOS and Android apps should have on those platforms. But on web, like you want a blank canvas and you want to be able to add your own headers at the top and footers and all these things. So that's where Solito came in. It's a set of example apps, docs explaining how to do this, and code that you can import in your library that lets you navigate places. And the way it works is it has different files for each platform. So it has a like .web file, which will only run on web, and that calls Next.js APIs, or Next.js functions. And on iOS and Android, it calls React Navigation functions, which means like if you say navigate to you know, slash home, it'll take you to the home page on web using Next Router. And on iOS and Android, it'll, you have to tell it where to map each URL. So if you use Expo Router, it'll just know which URLs you're using because of your file system routing. And if you're using React Navigation directly, You just have a single config variable where you map screens to URLs, and it's, it's pretty easy. So that's basically what Solito does. It lets you use React Native and Next.js together in a very easy way, and it's been used by most other libraries now. Like the, I, I'm not sure if Gluestack has an example with it, but I think it does, and Tamagui, and a lot of these starters. that We have a native, one, native mm -hmm. wind starter as well. A lot of these are basically saying, you know, we've built this library for web and native. Naturally, you want to be able to use a good stack to handle that. And so here's a Solito starter with our app, or with our um, library. So it's, it's the perfect kind of uh, starting point for any UI library, like GlueStack, NativeWind, Tamagui, Dripsy, because it already lets you build on all the platforms. And you just make your screens, and they'll work on Next.js and iOS and Android. Yeah, I found this to be, when I saw it in the library, actually to be really that easy. So technically speaking, you have a mono repository. Um, and you have this apps folder in which you have your Expo application and your Next application, and uh, both of them, at this point, using usually file-based routing, 
And if you open up like the index TSX for your Expo project, you're going to see that you just return a home screen component. And that comes from a different project, uh, from a, a different folder. And the same is true for the next file. So if you open the Next.js app, it also opens exactly that screen. So mm -hmm. uh, this makes it ridiculously easy to just work on this one screen and implement it. Um, my question is, I'm, I'm still fairly new to React Native and everything, and I've used now the Expo Router extensively for the last couple of months. Um, and your link components, or uh, the link from Solito, looks pretty much exactly like the Expo Router. So I don't know who was first. Was it like you were first, or was Evan with the router first, or was Next.js first? Like, what, what yeah. is the, cr the chronic timeline here? Next.js was first, uh, then Solito came around, and then Expo Router. So Next.js really pioneered, I think, some great APIs. I think the thing I really like about it is it's just, it was always very intuitive to use, and I like the output of it. That's why I was so drawn to using it, in addition to its like route bundle splitting and file system routing and other features like that. Um, so what Solito did is, for many reasons, it let you write code exactly like you were using Next. So the API you're seeing, when this is a common theme with some of my libraries, which I can get to in a second, the API you're seeing is the same as what you're used to. So you're typing as if you're using next, uh, next link, for example. So when you're using Next.js, you, you import link from next slash link. When you're using Solito, you import link from Solito slash link. And you use the same href and as prop and uh, replace. All the props are the exact same. The same goes for Solito's image component. It has the same exact props as next image. And on the web, it just renders next image. But on native, it wraps Expo image, and it maps all the props that Next.js's image lets you use to native. And that's the fundamental thing here that I've liked doing. Take libraries that work on web already, that people are used to, that have been tested, and that their APIs are very extensible. Wrap that library on web in a way to make it compatible with React Native Web. And then on iOS and Android, map those APIs to native libraries. So that's kind of the Solito approach. It's, it's bring familiarity to existing Next.js developers. So if you've, if you've been using Next and you want to use React Native and maybe you want to even have it, have it all, you can just use Solito and it'll feel basically the same as you're used to, just with a monorepo. Yeah, if I, I'm, I just tried to dive into the component and I arrived at the link core component in Solito. Mm -hmm. um, my, my only, f I mean, it's, it's pretty easy or I mean, it's of course not easy what you've done, but um, I see if platform is web, we're going to use the next link, and otherwise we're probably going to use some some kind of native uh, logic for that. I my only fear would be if now next changes its link components and Expo Router changes and they change the image component. Like you need to uh, to to update all of that, right? Um, we're gonna not. I don't want to get the same problems like React Native being four versions behind the SDKs. So um, is that like? the thing you have to do over the next couple of years if Solito now becomes the go-to standard? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to some degree, this is the challenge of do you fork, do you copy, do you wrap? And definitely, it's, it's part of the difficult commitment of wrapping a library. Luckily, I think when I pick what, you know, one thing is the abstraction of code and the other thing is abstraction of who you're wrapping. In my case, I, generally speaking, have liked the Next.js approach to stability and APIs. I think it's... I mean, app router is like a whole new beast, but generally speaking, like the link component as an example has basically stayed the same for like six years. They've only improved it in my mind. 
And then they've added additional features like the image and stuff like that. Of course, it's just the difficulty. You know, you're wrapping these two different things that kind of have their own agendas. Um, if anything, I think that's why Solido is so useful because if, like, at the very least, it's a central discussion board where people who are trying to make Next.js and React Native work together can talk about all the problems that arise. Right? So oftentimes, Next.js will ship some feature and it breaks something on, with Solido, and then we can all discuss it and we figure it out. Um, whereas uh, if, if there weren't an open source library for it, it would just be hard to do that. So I'm a bit beholden to what they choose to do. And you know maybe someday there could be some sort of bifurcation, but I, I highly doubt it. I think I really want to continue supporting what Next.js offers and bring it to the native side. Now, the Next.js is now going very deep into server components and the app directory. And so next, uh, Solido version 4 adds directory or adds support for the app directory. So if you want to use App Router, you can do that with Solido. That said, we basically recommend only using client components instead of server components because server components won't really work on native and they don't really make much sense for native at the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people think there are some use cases, but in my mind, it doesn't make total sense for native. Um, in any case, whether it does or it doesn't, it's just not something that exists right now. So you can still use the app directory. There are plenty of people using Solido with it. And yeah, it was a little bit difficult to add support for, but as you'll see, if you look through the code, the code is very simple. I'm basically just taking APIs, mapping them to existing ones. And that's really it, right? The, the real innovation here is the fact that this is possible and that there's documentation and rec recommendations and a really strong community explaining how you can do this. But I think this is, like, like I was saying before, there's this weird magic where you can just open a library and look at the code. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's it, mm -hmm. right? And like that, that's a good thing, yeah. right? You want things to be that simple under the hood. Yeah, definitely. And I think this this was kind of the missing piece, like how your text link just wraps the links. Because I was always having the assumption, okay, I have the expo router, I already have URL links. Why do I also need Solito? Um, I just want to kind of like, I don't know, magically make this work with Next.js because it's the same slash users slash about. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it now totally makes sense that Solito is just like mapping this into the uh, right corner if it is web or native. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, you, you propose that, of course, Next.js and uh, React Native side-by-side side and the setup we just talked about with the importing screens and whatever is the best stack. But what are your thoughts on, on Expo for web? Because I can build my Expo application also just for web. They are now trying to give me CSS support. Um, I already use the Expo router, so I already have file-based routing and the URLs. So why do I actually need Next.js in that setup in the first place? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an option. Um, I think, you know, Evan's working really hard on this, on making it really good. There's definitely some hope there. I don't really see for myself a situation where I wouldn't want to take advantage of all of Next.js's features, like redirects, uh, rewrites, the bundle splitting. I just think it's a really great framework. It's super fast to work with. Um, I think it's just a preference thing. That's just none of the features, like until something is completely kind of matching all of its features, I don't for myself kind of see a, another best situation. Also, what I like about using Solido versus just Expo Router on web, and this is a pretty fundamental thing, the way your app looks and the way your website looks should really be under your full control. And Solido's kind of bread and butter is doing less work on web, which is to say we don't provide a router, we don't provide navigators, we don't provide default styles. Everything is up to you. Your screen does all the styling. 
When you use React Navigation on web, and I know Expo Rider is kind of working on its own things for this, like more headless modes, you are forced to inherit a lot of pre-built styles and pre-built approaches to navigation on web, which I don't think are the right abstraction for the web. I think it makes sense for native to have built-in tab bars and stacks and headers and things like that. But while a lot of websites choose to build that kind of thing on web too, it doesn't make sense to me for that to be something that comes along and that, that is required. I think that, yeah, that, 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 that would be the main difference um, in general, besides just the fact that you're using Next.js, is that Solido won't inject a single style on your website. It's up to you to do that. And for things even as simple as like scrolling, that's pretty big. Because React Navigation, for example, will force you to have to use a scroll view versus using Windows, Windows scrolling easily. Or the bottom tab. Yeah, there, there are just a lot of little details. Whereas I'm, I'm totally in favor of you escaping out and having web-only components for your website. A web-only header at the top, sidebars, things that you only want on your website. Because I, the way Solido views it is your screens are your primitives of your product. And then your website and your app import those screens and render them however they want. So I think there's a big appeal to having a single file system router across all platforms, and you gain a lot from that, which is what Expo Router gives you. And I'm definitely not saying Expo Router is the wrong approach, but I think until it has fully headless UI on the web and you can control every bit of the UI with no injection, I think it's going to still be competing against Solido in that regard for the website. Yeah, um, I mean, I've used it a bit. You can have like different uh, whatever about.web.tsx and, and a different native file, and you can even have HTML in there. And uh, as far as I heard, they're also working on API routes for mm -hmm. Expo Router version 4. I think there's a, a draft from Evan. So they're bringing interesting things to it. I was just wondering if they're like, if that time could be spent on something else, if we agree that Solito and Next.js is the best best thing and uh, we could just work on something else. I mean, it's kind of doing the same. I mean, the end result is mostly the same. We have a project, it's React Native, and we have a web output. The same is true with Solito. I don't know. Maybe you're just pushing each other forward, which is always healthy in, in the community. But otherwise, if we're just like developing the same stuff, it's kind of like not required. Yeah, there's some degree of that. I mean, what's important to keep in mind, though, is, you know, Next.js, at the end of the day, is really, really going in on the web. And they're not going to really prioritize, which is totally reasonable. I mean, they're building a great, it's one of the reasons I like it. It's a framework that really tries to get the best out of the web. But because of that, you're not going to get it to be the most optimized for React Native developers either. So I do understand the, for, for the record, uh, the Solido starters use Expo Router on iOS and Android. It's just that they opt to use Next.js in the web. Um, it, it does make sense to want to have some unification of it and just above, above all control. Like I would assume that Solido is maybe the, in some form, the inspiration for Expo to build a web framework like this mm -hmm. that really has API routes and eventually you know bundle splitting by route and stuff like that and server-side rendering and static rendering. So I think it's to be seen um, what, what makes the most sense to work on. I, I mean, my personal preference would be to add web styles to native. That's what I care the most about. I, I, at this point, I feel like the framework situation is fixed for me. So I'm not really concerned anymore about using Next.js or what I'm using on web. Like We have a great system for that. My biggest pain point is React Native, iOS, and Android um, styling system is super behind. Mm -hmm. Like yoga, and all, I can't use shaders on native. I can't blur things. I can't 
have good shadows. Like I want to build good looking UIs. I'm no longer concerned yeah. with frameworks. Like I like for me, Salido is just the like manifestation of a lot of work I was trying to do to get this all to work. But it's solved for me. I, I no longer view this as a problem <laughs> that exists. So now I want to be able to write better styles. That's it's really like I, I think um, I think we're just missing stuff like that, and that there's been very little iteration from the React Native side on improving styling. Oh no, are they working on anything related to that? Uh, I don't have anything that comes to my mind right now. I mean, we got something for performance or exposed targeting, debugging and stuff. I don't know. Is there anything coming up that could improve the problem of styling? Well, in my uh, React Native 2030 talk, I mentioned this uh, pull work or discussion called React DOM for native RFC. So that's been up for, I think, like a year. And honestly, it's actually created more bifurcation because I think now React Native Web has deprecated a bunch of styles that still, I think, exist on iOS and Android. So for example, transform now on web, you can't pass an array anymore. Uh, as someone who has like a thousand transform arrays on my uh, <laughs> app, it's just kind of like confusing that that's going to be fully deprecated out. I'm not really sure where to go from there. So... Yeah, I think in principle it would be – I just don't know. Um, there are some exciting things coming, I guess, like st uh, static Hermes seems really cool. I've seen this, some talks about that from the React Native side. But I don't know. It's tricky. I, I feel that you know, the, the talk for the last five or six years has been more about new architecture. But mm -hmm. you know, it took a really long time for us to get basic things like FlexGap. I mean that's been like my favorite release I think of the last <laughs> few years is FlexGap. It's completely changed how I can do things. Like I think we kind of need to work more on styles and a little bit less on architecture um, because what I'm trying to do is build a good-looking product. And I think the biggest critiques that JS frameworks for native get is that they're too far from the metal. And it's for things like this, I think it, it becomes a bit clear. You know, when I see SwiftUI's releases, I understand SwiftUI has its problems, but it's very clear that it's trending towards caring a lot about design. And I think that that's something that, that's probably my biggest pain point still. And the, my issue is that I don't think I'm in a position to fix it. That's my, that's my biggest problem. <laughs> like I would love to work on something to solve this, but it um, feels just a bit outside of what I, and I've tried to add shaders to expo views, but for whatever reason I couldn't get it working. Like I'm just not an UI, I'm not a UI kit expert and, um, you know, I think that's something for for someone for someone else to fix. It's, it's so funny to hear, uh, by the way, that that flex gap is still new. I, I basically use it every tutorial I create, and I wasn't actually aware that it's it's a rather new thing for React Native developers. I I don't know how how it could have worked with React without it. To be honest, it's like my most um, used style. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I've seen the proposal in, uh, again, going to put this in the show notes. The, the vision for the 2030 is where you put, uh, had a screenshot of this like diff component that then can be used with some styling on, on React Native. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that, would be definitely interesting. So in, as you have said, this stack is like, it will stay here for the next few years. Next.js is just dominating the web and, and React Native and Expo and Solito seems to come out as the library to unify this. So you have used it in your company, I think, for actually a long time. I found, I think, a talk from two years ago, three years ago, where you already described it. I mean, some of the API stuff has changed. Of course, it's, mm -hmm. it's not the same anymore. But you have, at that point, already promoted it um, as, like, the solution. So why are not more companies using this stack? As it's, like, 
the, the best way to reuse your code and your components? Well, I think if you had asked me a year ago, I would say I'm not sure. But now, actually, I've, I've been surprised at how many are. Uh, I think the real reason is because you know, React Native is really attractive to people who are used to the web. A lot of people come to it from the web. But most companies just start by coding up a website. And they use something like Tailwind mm. or some other CSS solution. So it's a bit hard to imagine than just going to native because you just don't know really, even if you want to use Solido, like porting everything over can sound like kind of a nightmare. Like you're just not really sure where to start. So I think the reason a lot of existing companies haven't used it is simply because they already just have a website. And the idea of, like I think a lot of new companies or companies that are rebuilding their stack actually have been. Like we have a super active Discord and GitHub community and things like that of every day. Like I have people hitting me up from also just like from decently big companies and they're adopting the stack. Um, so yeah, there are more than you think. A lot of companies just kind of keep things, don't publish publicize their stack the way that the way that we do, and and that's fine. But yeah, we should definitely try to get some more people to sort of publicize that they that they're using Solido and Modi and other libraries. Yeah, but but it's I mean it's good to hear that you get the feedback and that actually more companies are already using it. Um, but of course, yeah, rewriting it. If I look at the the startup, it looks pretty clear. But if you have an existing next application and it has I don't know how many API routes and whatnot, and then putting all of this into screens and extracting the logic and probably rewriting it because you can't just copy paste your current components into the components as far as I see. It depends how yeah. you've abstracted things. I mean, in my opinion, um, say you have some sort of UI element. Like, I would never write a div in line in React. I would instead wrap, I, like, every single thing I have wrapped in one place. So I have, like, a folder of all my design system components. And what's nice about, and it, it, for example, if you're ever importing a third-party library, I wrap everything. Every third-party library for me always gets wrapped. I never import <laughs> that directly in app code. And I think that's very important because I want to control the layer between my apps abstraction and it's and third party things. And if you organize your code that way from the start, if you're building a website or anything else, then it's actually fairly easy to migrate because then in, in your one design system, you know, folder where you have like 50 different components, you could go one by one and, and port stuff over. Now, if you're writing, even if you're using tailwind, for example, because you could just use native wind under the hood and you'd have probably very close to one-to-one -one compatibility. Now, if you're just putting divs and spans and things like that right in your in your app code, it'll take a bit longer to to migrate over. Expo, ironically, is actually working on or has a plugin that will map those things HTML elements to React Native. So it could at least be good for just like porting over an existing app with compatibility. I wouldn't recommend doing that for new apps per se, but it's an interesting thing to be aware of. Okay. Yeah. So. Um I would I would be curious now, as you are the sole developer. I don't know. You said you have a backend developer as well at BeatGig, but since you're like like the OG of universal apps, you're pushing this forward. How, how does the the BeatGig application, the architecture, look like? Is it pretty much exactly what I see here with my fresh Solito uh, Moon repository, or how how is your BeatGig application structured? Well, it started out uh, like. I wish it looked just like that. Unfortunately, it's the <laughs> like that the Solito starter is a result of years of experimenting and trying different approaches. So all new features added to Beekig do look like that. Look like that where we have like our shared monorepo folder, you know, in packages. 
and we have like a design system package and then like an app package, but you could kind of mix those if you want. And then we have our applications folder, you know, our apps slash next slash, and we have a bunch of apps in there. We have an internal admin app. We have an iOS app. We have a remotion product. Like we have all kinds of things that live in there that all mm. share the same code. So it's, we, it's much more than just Solito. And I think the, the biggest thing I have found that I tried to instill in the Solito starter is this app slash features folder. This has like been my favorite thing I've kind of ever done. Knowing how to organize code has really changed the game for me. I used to have like, and this is like what every React Native starter would have. It's like you have your source folder and then you have like hooks, screens, helpers, stuff like that. I don't really understand that anymore. What I much would rather, like, you know, helpers, sure, that makes sense, or like design system components, because those live together. But what I want is like a user folder. And then I have like my user hooks right there, like get user, you know, all, all those things. And then um, I have user slash list slash page and user slash detail slash page. And all the code for the user lives really close together. Now, sometimes if different features live across folders, that's kind of hard to reference, but I never have trouble getting to a file anymore. It's like really amazing. And if you have like, like I'll, I would, I see sometimes like slash screens slash user page and then slash hooks slash use user page data. And I'm like, why are these in different places? It, do, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't like organizing code by code type, but rather by feature. So that's what the Salito starter does for you. And that's what we do now. But for a long time, I, you know, I still have this giant pages folder with like 80 files. That's, um, it's just a nightmare to get through. I never, you know, then the components for that are elsewhere. Like now all the, you know, when I create a page, I have the page file and all the components re related to it are either inline or in a file right next to it. And it's much easier to find. That's a nice recommendation. I think I've been using, yeah, this, the same setup, like utils, shared, whatever. Uh, I don't know what the, the Airbnb style guide was. Is, is this following the Airbnb style guide? Because I think this was like the most dominant style guide for projects for quite some time. Um, was it like that? Or how did Airbnb split their features? I don't actually know. Stuff? Um, I remember I looking at that when I, when I first started coding with JavaScript, Airbnb's style guide was really big. Um, and I think the time I stopped following it was when I tried to use our calendar library and I realized like, what, this is a crazy, I just, I, I don't know the, the abstraction layer for it was so complicated and I, you know, there I started changing my ways a little bit. So I'm actually not sure. Um, uh, hopefully. Yeah. So are you using, um, all of the libraries you have created, Uh, at the BeatGig application, or as oh, yeah. you said initially, they, they usually came out. So you're using everything from Dripsy to Moti to Solito, Zigo, Burnt, and Scroll Anchors. <laughs> everything included in, in... <laughs> yeah? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I always figured I can either just put this in another pack, in another folder in our app, or I can make it generally available to everyone and hopefully get other people to want to do the same so that we can use their work and you know build kind of a... An, I don't know, an ecosystem where everyone wants to contribute to it. I still think a lot of people could open source things a bit more. I hear all the time of someone who's like, oh yeah, I made this thing, but I didn't want, I didn't have the time to put it in an NPM package and publish it. And I didn't think, and then you just see like a, an alpha sticker on the GitHub you know, page forever. Just put it up and make it good enough and, and, and release it. You know, it's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, I will definitely also link to your latest video. Uh, it might be out for a few weeks when the podcast goes live, but you just did a video on how I build React Native libraries. Um, I think that should work uh, for pretty much everyone to create a library and use it as a blueprint. I, I think you covered it in like 45 minutes, all the steps you need to create. a. I didn't watch it completely, but is it really from, from like start to end completely covering the process? It's actually not. So I just made my first YouTube video. Um, I'm planning on kind of making some more. I, I mean, I've made a number of videos on YouTube, but never on my own channel. And the li the videos have been pretty high level. They've been more just like about Salido, like kind of like this, like about Salido generally, or you know why you should use it and what our code looks like and the different libraries. But I'm not. What I'm trying to get to now is a little more advanced, like low level content of people who are actually coding and already are in the mix and want to know like the the dirty details in a sense. So the video I released is opening the code files for a few of my more complex libraries and showing you like how do you go from some existing Swift library to React Native. And it's not going to show you like first npm install what like I'm I'm not doing any of that. Instead I'm opening the code up and just showing you what I was thinking and what it looks like. And the idea is that this will I'm going to do a few more of these with other libraries and the idea is that it'll help you one just see that anytime you use a library, you can just open GitHub and go on and edit it and view it. And then you can also do this for your own. And yeah, I, I want to make a little more advanced content now on like when you're actually building a product, like what should I do? Everything in general, my experience when I was first learning and kind of coming up was very abstract. And I learned to code. I never actually did an online course or took a class or anything like that. I just learned by mostly by doing it. And what I would really learn is opening GitHub projects and reading through them. Like I would do this on my phone, on the computer. Like I remember the first React Native, first foray into React Native was I read the docs and I looked up an existing app and they had this like F8 React Native GitHub project. It was like Facebook had like a conference and they made a React Native mm -hmm. app for it. Yeah. And I just like read app.js. Okay, it's importing these things. Let's look. And I just went like file by file, just reading it. And I think it would have been amazing if someone could have been kind of narrating it to me and said, hey, this file isn't actually a big deal. You don't need to care about this. You don't need to care about this. This is what matters. We did this because of that. That would have really helped me. So I'm planning on doing that both for library development and for building more complex Salido apps. And I, I want to look at existing code rather than just coding as I speak because you can't really do anything advanced when you do that. And I've already tried that a few times. So maybe for some cases, I'll you know, show you how to do Modi animations and things like that. But I want to make, make more videos that talk through existing code. I don't want to show any pseudo code. Or, you know, I don't want to find myself saying things like, and when you do this for your own app, it'll be a little more complicated. Instead, I want to show you, you know, real stuff. You can also, uh, I can I can reassure you, you can leave the easy how to use Moti and how to use Solito <laughs> videos to me because I will definitely create them very soon. <laughs> uh, Wonderful. That, that's exactly what, what I do and, and like to do. Um, I, I just like getting into new libraries, checking them out and totally. getting overly excited about them and uh, presenting them to people. And um, yeah, what, what you've done is... I'm always impressed. I recently talked to Mark Rosavi, who's doing React Native Vision Camera, and he's like a genius when it comes to C++ and, and like mm -hmm. doing C stuff and frame processing and really like crazy stuff. And uh, same for you with all the libraries you've provided. I think you, you also fall in that category of great people with, with great minds. And I'm happy that you shared all of them for free, you know, so that you came on this podcast to, to share like quick information about uh, we've covered Moti, Solito, Dripsy. I think those are the biggest, of course. 
we got also all Zigo and Burned. People can check that out. I will put this in the show notes. There are also helpful libraries for React Native, but the core message, I think, is Expo, React Native, and Solito is like the most solid stick we have right now. Is that what you would agree to? Yeah, I think it's it's a great way to be really productive, have high-performance apps that, that look great, and you don't have to have that many people to build it. Yeah. Um, well, certainly, that's another topic, certainly create another Galaxy's course on the Solito topic because people already asked about it. And uh, now after checking out the repository, see, it's actually that easy. So uh, here we go. You're going to find a course about this uh, out somewhere pretty soon. Awesome. Also, thank you, thank you for giving me an, an interesting app idea, like something that explains a GitHub repository, like explain the important GitHub files to me. That could be a nice business. Yeah. I mean, you can already press some button to open editor. I always forget. Do you know which it is on the GitHub repository? There's Do you mean a the one that opens the code spaces? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it opens like Visual Studio Code in the browser. Oh, yeah. I can't find it anymore. T At is the top right, files. if you hit code, um, instead of cloning, it'll have a code spaces button. It's a green button at the homepage of any repository. Ah, yeah. Didn't they have like a shortcut, like just a keyboard thing? Yeah, I think if you also... There's a URL thing you can do. I forget exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah, like code.github or something. Something like um, Yeah, I think it's that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thanks again, Fernando, for coming on. Uh, where can people find out more, which is probably one place where people can find out more about you? Yeah, the easiest is probably Twitter. So I'm Fernando the Rojo on Twitter, and then <laughs> Nanda Rojo on GitHub. And now I have a YouTube channel. I don't actually know what my handle is on YouTube, but if you look up you know, my Twitter, you'll, you'll see the latest YouTube post. And that, that is about it. I'm also on Stack Overflow, but don't follow me there. <laughs> yeah, you, you still need to update your uh, YouTube handle. It's Fernando Rojo six three one one. Okay, well there you can see you can see how new the channel is. Yeah, yeah. It's first video. I, the, you know, the big thing is I didn't. Sorry, there are cop sirens in the back. I didn't spend too much time on like any sort of the YouTube stuff. I was like, I'm just gonna make this and put it out. Maybe I'll do a few others, and then I'll start, you know, kind of optimizing everything and making it look better. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we're going to see some epic videos. You already have 130 subscribers after like one day uh, of putting out that video. Quitting so. my job. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, yeah. Going to the next YouTube star is born. Yeah, so 100. thanks for joining. Um, if you want to learn more about React Native, you can also check out galaxies.dev. We have tons of great courses and soon also a Solito course, maybe already when this episode goes live. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So thanks, Fernando. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye.